4: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
5: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast.
3: This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre.
7: What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Tuesday, October 18th. Your boy is a little bleary-eyed this morning. Uh Lost my voice a little bit last night at the Chargers Broncos overtime thriller, if you can call it that. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We have a phenomenal guest to tip off NBA season, which starts tonight. I was going to do some NBA preview, but we'll just save that for tomorrow because this podcast is jam-packed with information from the one and only Dave McMenamin, ESPN, covers the Lakers. And listen, the Lakers are probably the most interesting team in the West. Obviously, Brooklyn in the East. But the Lakers are fascinating given how LeBron's near the end of his career, how last season went, Anthony Davis, the turnover, Russell Westbrook. Dave answers all those questions. And just we get in the mind of what it's like to cover LeBron James. Dave McMenamin, a really good dude. I didn't know he was a really good basketball player. It looks like we're going to be playing some pickup basketball in the near future. Um, But I just quickly want to go over uh, Broncos Chargers. First of all, nothing about this game was pleasing to the eye. It was a thrilling time at the game. My buddy Jake has uh, four season tickets, and it just so happens that a bunch of dads that we know um, also have season tickets. So there was a large group. uh, Great time. The stadium so far is, of course, awesome. And this guy literally has front row seats. (laughs) It's a great experience. Of course, I roll up there go to the seats i see uh, Mark Sanchez who's now a colleague of Fox is on the field like taking photos with people guys coming up and like saying hey can you autograph my hat and you know Sanchez is indulging all of them um and then the game starts and it's like what on earth am i watching Justin Herbert threw 57 passes for 238 yards i mean the Chargers offense was non-existent they could do absolutely nothing they abs- they they totally lucked out that the Broncos muffed a punt in overtime. Otherwise, this game probably ends in a tie. Let's be realistic. Um, But the Denver Broncos were even worse. Uh, They take a 10-0 lead, and then, I don't know, Nathaniel Hackett decided, "Mm, yeah, let's take the air out of the ball. Folks, there's a Russell Wilson stat floating around that is one of the most bizarre that I've seen. Russell Wilson, in the second half and overtime, was three for 11 for 15 yards passing. That's it. In the second half and overtime. How does that happen? Now, there is video of Jerry Judy very upset after the game, ranting and, and uh, uh, yelling to Melvin Gordon, who Melvin Gordon also was benched during this game for the Broncos. Melvin Gordon had a whopping three carries for eight yards. He ended up getting benched for Latavius Murray. I'm the idiot who started Mike Boone in fantasy. Luckily, I had, already lost um Mike Boone had one carry for one yard and you know how I knew it was bad I saw him as a gunner on special teams a- and then I saw him blocking on special teams I'm like wait a sec Mike Boone what the hell uh, folks this game was as bizarre as a game I've seen in a while now I know um the Chargers are a good football team but my goodness Brandon Staley is uh, he's just bringing heat on himself. Like the fans are extremely unhappy with him. I know the offensive line was hurting. They were down to their third string center um it, it, due to an injury. Uh, no Keenan Allen, like there is no explosiveness to this offense. The team you saw against the Houston Texans where they were just guys all open all over the field, they were not able to do any of that. Mike Williams by the way. A good receiver was totally locked down. The most impressive player in the game, uh, Drew Tranquil, was very good um, for for the uh, Chargers. Had two sacks, two tackles for loss, fired up. He's all over the field. A couple big tackles. I thought Patrick Sertain was the most impressive player I saw on the field. Folks, he lined up with Mike Williams, and I swear to you, Justin Herbert refused to look over there. He basically took away one side of the field. They started to move Mike Williams around to get him loose, so they moved him into the slot a bunch, and Sertan was just on—anytime Williams was on the outside, left or right, he would just follow him, and Mike Williams had did, could absolutely do nothing, could not get open, and you could see his frustration because he would stop like jogging back to the huddle and just walk back to the huddle. Always the last guy back. Uh, six targets, two catches, 17 yards. I mean, total non-factor. Couldn't do anything. Austin Eckler, how, just think about this for a second. He caught the ball 10 times for 47 yards. I, I mean, Herbert essentially was just dumping it off to him because he was under pressure almost on every play. He, he was he got hit eight times. He only got sacked twice. It felt like way more than that. But this game was just brutal. Nathaniel Hackett, I don't think he's going to make it to Thanksgiving. They're now 2-4. and four. Think about this. Russell Wilson leaves Seattle. Seattle's 3-3. Three and three. Russell Wilson is 2-4. and four. And uh, people are making a big deal out of Russell Wilson not ending his press conference last night with Let's Ride because he's been doing it all season. And it's like, are we really going to go there? Let's look at the product on the field. Like, it's not really a rust thing to me as much as it is what the hell are the, is the offensive game plan. I, I don't understand it. Um, and I'll wrap up with this before we get to dave McMenamin. two other things jc jackson was benched by the chargers he got torched twice in the first half so eventually i see uh, you know i'm looking on the outside to see if they had jc jackson against Cortland sutton what were they doing and then i don't see jackson and i'm like where is he and it turns out he's on the bench standing there with his helmet on not injured he was benched for inactive for uh, like just poor play did not play one snap, but at least the best I could see, in the second half. They spent a billion dollars on J.C. Jackson. He can't even get on the field. I told you last week he was in trouble. The guy's just not playing well. I don't know if it's scheme, but he did not look good. And the final note before we get to Dave McBenjamin, Folks, the Denver Broncos, <laughs> they were on the field on Monday Night Football for 83 plays. They now host my New York Jets on Sunday. The last team that played over 80 snaps was the Miami Dolphins defensively against Buffalo at home. Do you remember what happened on the short week on Thursday? They lost to Cincinnati. There is a history. Uh, I think it was our guest TA who wrote about it on his website. Teams that play 80 snaps or more, their defense gets torched. This lines up pretty good for the Jets. Now listen, uh, the Broncos have a good defense, clearly. Their defense front dominated the game It's going to be a tough one for the Jets. That being said, this is going to be a tired Denver Broncos defense heading into Sunday's game against the Jets in, I don't know if it's the best game of week six, but week seven, but it's certainly up there. I mean, you look at the slate, it's not a phenomenal slate. Um, You look at, where are all the teams with the winning records? Well, you got the Colts versus the Titans. That certainly is not the best game of the week. Um, you know, Sunday night, uh, Sunday night football, KC San Fran is very good. But Monday night's not good. Sunday night's not good. Jets-Broncos might be the second best game. Uh, now, it's not going to be pretty. But the Jets going to 5-2 and two would just be extraordinary. All right, let, without further ado, let's get to our guest, Dave McMenamin. McMenamin, sorry, of ESPN.
2: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive.
3: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports.
7: I know what
1: sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't,
3: He knows a guy who does.
1: Let's just say I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy.
3: All right,
7: let's welcome into Straight Fire, one of the top NBA reporters in the league. It's funny, I've seen him at NBA games when I go as a fan sometimes, and I'm like, Dave, and he's like a little surprised to see me because he's got the suit on. Dave McMenamin, ESPN. How are you, Dave?
3: I'm doing well. Good to
9: see you, Jason. And and talk more than just our haphazard uh, wave hellos at games.
7: Yes, yes. Uh, by the way, I was reading your ESPN bio. I did not know you were a college basketball player. What position?
9: Shooting guard. That's all I can oh, do. Oh wow, uh, dude! And not even like a, a uh, well-rounded shooting guard. A catch-and-shooting guard, I would, I would say. Are Someone passes to me, any... I'm open. I'll make it. You'll Otherwise, make it. Are I you
2: struggle. playing any
7: ball now? Because uh, you know we got yeah, some high-quality high pickup games.
9: I play a couple times a week. Yeah, let's try to link up.
7: Well, now, where's that? West Hollywood action.
9: Uh, no, I play, uh, one game down in Manhattan beach and I play another game in Bel Air.
7: Wait a minute, man. Manhattan beach. Oh my gosh. That's where I live. Um, I don't usually announce that, but, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to ask you where that game is. Cause <laughs> I play a couple games out here anyways. All right. only people want to tune in for our basketball exploits. Um, we, we, you cover the Lakers and Dave, uh, I don't know where to begin. I, don't, I mean, like, should people be excited about this season? I just looked at the ESPN depth chart page. The Lakers are the only team with four new guys, I think, in the starting line. Uh, it just looks insane for the Lakers this year. Oh, not four, actually, three guys. It just the whole roster has been reshaped. What are realistic expectations for Lakers fans, Dave?
9: It really vacillates wildly depending on whether they're going to have health on their side or not. And the thing is, they're going to need two guys, in particular, to stay healthy to have a chance of doing anything. That's LeBron. And it's Anthony Davis. Now, LeBron has been superhuman, of course, throughout his NBA career, but he's missed more games as a Laker than he did in his first 15 years of his career combined. So time starts to catch up with everybody. He's entering the year 20, he turns 38 in December. He will do everything in his power to stay on the court, and that I don't doubt, but the human body is a human body. And then you need Anthony Davis to stay. On the court, And Anthony Davis, when they won the championship in 2020, he played in more than 85% of the Lakers' games. He came in with a chip on his shoulder, something to prove after he was labeled as uh, injury-prone in New Orleans. And he was dynamite, one of the top five players in the game in that playoff run. And since then, he would admit that coming into the 2020-2021 season, he did not properly prepare himself mentally and physically after the shortest layoff in league history because of the pandemic timing and then last season quite frankly he was just really unlucky he got Jaden mcdaniels thrown into his legs by lebron james rejecting a screen and he went up and caught a bad lob pass from malik monk landed on rudy gobert's size 21 sneaker both those injuries combined to cause him to miss about half the season if he has a little bit of luck on his side and a little bit of fire that he showed back his first year as a laker when you know, I don't remember that game he played in New Orleans, his first game back against the Pelicans. He tweaks his shoulder. He stays in playing through pain, ends up with 40 points, uh, and, and gets the Lakers a good road win back then. He's shown that he has that fire in him. They're going to need consistency for both those two guys and then hope that some of these role players hit because all the role players, basically outside of Malik Monk, who's now gone, didn't work out for them last year.
7: Yeah, It's funny you mentioned Malik Monk. Uh you know, I I seem to recall he was their third best player last year, uh, and he's gone. If if somebody came up to you and said, "Dave, who is the third best player on the Lakers coming into this season?" Who would you who would you answer it as?
9: It, it, it's <laughs> tough. I think there are a few guys who have had some strong preseason showings. Kendrick Nunn, in particular. Uh, Lonnie Walker was uh, sidelined with uh, an ankle injury. He missed some time, but he has looked really good on both ends in spurts. And Patrick Beverly is maybe the third most important Laker. I feel pretty confident in giving that label because he is going to need to be the guy to call out LeBron and call out AD on nights when they aren't bringing the requisite energy and effort. Uh, Be the guy in a film session, not afraid to say that not only is maybe someone like Russ not doing the right thing, but someone like LeBron's not doing the right thing and not have that be – taboo that you can't talk about it to get better as a team that's going to fall on him and then also being the primary wing defender uh with this team because as great as anthony davis has shown in the past to be as a rim protector if it's just straight line drive it's a straight line drive guys breaking past the three-point line to get into the lane nobody can stop that and so it'll be really on Patrick Beverly uh, to be that guy to, to give the Lakers defense a, a chance to kind of put their, their grips into the opposing offense.
7: Now, now, this is why I had you come on because you're saying stuff. I never heard anyone since they acquired Patrick Beverly say that he can be the guy who stands up and holds AD and LeBron accountable. Did they have anybody doing that last year?
9: No, and quite frankly, it was a major miscalculation with the roster. They should have brought back Jared Dudley. That was Jared Dudley's role the two previous seasons. He was kind of that Udonis Haslam type of guy that Miami has where he's not necessarily playing, but his voice carries a lot of weight uh, because he spends the time to create the relationships to be able to not only pat you on the back when you did a good job, but look you in the eye when you got to do something better uh last year's team didn't really have it they they brought Rajon Rondo in hoping that he could somewhat play that role because he was um you know a really strong member of that championship team but but Rondo it was always about wanting to play uh and once it was clear that he wasn't going to get consistent playing time he wanted to find a different situation Mm -hmm. as of getting traded to Cleveland after Ricky Rubio got hurt they didn't have the voice the guy to do that uh and that was one of the many miscalculations that went into last year's disaster
7: okay i'll ask why couldn't frank vogel do that even though he uh won a championship with them in the bubble and had had a good run prior to that with the pacers what, could he not call
9: out lebron head coaches you pick your spots it's not Got that it. frank vogel could never call out lebron and it's not like they didn't have uh, a pretty strong working rapport, but mm-hmm. uh, quite frankly, that's in today's NBA, uh, you have X amount of shoot around, X amount of bus rides, practices, games, pregame, postgame. Uh, the head coach, in my estimation, the ones that uh, do quite well in this league, uh, less is more approach. Uh, it, it, he had a deputy in Jared Dudley, uh, and that, that deputy wasn't retained.
7: Interesting. Now this this is good stuff. So I'll, I'll carry it on to this year. Darvin Ham, first time head coach. I know he's well respected. He was once a great dunker. I mean, Dave, what, what, you say less is more with Darvin Ham. I, I don't. Does he have anyone on his staff who can even do this? Because I can't see him calling out AD or LeBron.
9: Well, you know, I, I think part of the reason why the Lakers did like Darvin is because part of his resume is different than Frank Vogel's. He was a player. He can walk that walk uh and he just has a frankly a presence about him he is he is tall he has a deep voice he is barrel-chested uh and he's been in the league for about 30 years right and so all those things matter when it comes to garnering respect and while I said less is more perhaps in a team setting when you are in a film session or in a locker room on the whiteboard he has taken a more is more approach which with the the, the biggest question mark for the Lakers, which is Russell Westbrook and Mm, recognizing that (laughs) we had to get there. some sometime, right. But recognizing (laughs) how much that lack of cohesion, trust, communication, whatever you want to call it between him and Frank Vogel last year was a recurring theme that quite frankly hurt everybody else involved. And and Darvin Ham has been very smart about that from the very beginning when he got the job, making it a priority publicly to praise Russell Westbrook and not give any iota of a doubt that he has an open mind about finding the best way to use him, while at the same time privately spending the time with him, dinners, in the gym, recognizing that we had to realistically go about finding the best role for you, and if that is coming off the bench, so be it, but you're going to know that it's going to happen. It's not going to surprise you. And when it happens, we're going to put the ball in your hands and that's what you like anyway. And so perhaps it can help our first unit and our second unit. Uh,
7: I want to go, we'll come back to Russ in a minute. I want to go to Kendrick Nunn. Last year, had a bone bruise around this time and ended up never playing a game all season. And I, Dave, I've got to ask what on earth happened to Kendrick Nunn last year? Because, I mean, listen, he signed a two-year deal for $10 million, didn't play a damn game. All we were saying every month, oh, Kendrick Nunn's coming back, oh, point guard will be solved. What happened? There had to be something behind the scenes for him to just not play the entire season.
3: I mean, I
9: reported uh, at some point last year the Lakers really were hoping to have a, you know, a three-headed youth movement of uh, Talon Horton-Tucker Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk as being the guys to diversify the look that they give with their starters. And it just never happened. And, you know, quite frankly, if it was some big conspiracy, uh, then good on everybody involved uh, for keeping it quiet. Uh, My understanding, every time he started to ramp up, there was a setback. Uh, And then that's what happened kind of in the beginning part of the season and then they tried to give him like an extended break before ramping up again which was okay post all-star break it's going to be really important to make that final push post all-star break comes and another setback and and so he even told us that throughout the summertime that was still occurring um what? It, so at some point in the summertime he finally cleared it and I think it shows in the way he carried himself on the court. He said that after going through all of that, he feels like he's a better player now than he was when he was playing for the Miami Heat. So if they actually do get that version of Kendrick Nunn, that could be pretty important because, one, this team is lacking shooting, and two, this team is lacking playmaking. And those are two things that Kendrick Nunn brings.
2: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive.
3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All
7: right, I'm just going to make a statement, and I would like you to talk after it. Um, I saw a stat—it might have been your stat, I don't know—that seven guys from the Lakers team last year are not even in the NBA currently. Dave, how do you extend Palinka when he built that roster last year?
9: Yeah, it it was— when we talk about the things that went wrong last year, health is right at the top. You can't win any much of anything if LeBron and uh, AD both miss half the games. Number two, I'd say the fit of Russell Westbrook. Uh, and three is all those role players that didn't pan out. Uh, we're talking about Kent Bazemore. We're talking about Wayne Allington, DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard, Rajon Rondo, right down the line. You're the only is guy it more that than seven guys out it might be. <laughs> But if you count the 10-day guys, you're going up higher. You know, Isaiah Thomas is in the league right now. You're not uh, seeing um, Darren Collins in the league right now. Um, You know, throwing Avery Bradley, another guy looking for a contract. It was incredible amount of the guys that, you know, they brought in some specialists. and, And Frank found rather quickly that their defense had taken a step back. And so you couldn't play the guys who could just shoot because the defense would really struggle. and then okay, let's prioritize defense. And it's like, okay, we could play a guy like uh, you know, Trevor Reza, another guy we haven't mentioned, or uh, Kent Baysmore, who we feel that can execute what we ask defensively, but they can't make a shot. And then the offense tanks. And so uh, that's the one thing I will give credit to the Lakers and Rob Polinka and everyone involved in decision-making this summer. They learned their lesson from that group. All the guys they brought in this year are young they are two way ability. There's more athleticism, uh, you know, and, and to me, they have started to even show some of that promise that they had hoped for guys in particular, obviously Kendrick Dunn back from last year's group. But Lonnie Walker has really shown some flashes and want to Scott Anderson has also um, he's looked pretty good. He had dealt with the quad issue at training camp, but he's looked pretty good, too.
7: It's wild. Juan Toscano Anderson, like the 10th guy on Golden State, is going to be, what, the 7th guy on the, on the Lakers? I don't know. Maybe the 6th man. I don't know. Uh, 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 let's go to something. I read from a quote from you. I don't know if AD told it to you or all the media. Uh, he referred to himself in the third person when answering a question about playing center. Uh, I believe this was last week, maybe two weeks ago. Anthony Davis, does, have you ever covered a player who's talented and close to 7 feet who loves to hang out at the 3-point line as much as AD?
9: Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, oh, come,
0: come on. on. I, I, this guy's dominant inside.
7: And he, nobody shoots more fadeaways than Anthony Davis. I, I don't I don't get it. Listen, I like AD. I'm not knocking him. But Dave, he doesn't want to play center. I, I know he had the growth spurt, and, and he used to be a guard in, in high school or whatever. But
9: I don't know. He, he has the ability to do anything offensively on the basketball court, yes, does he rely on uh, the open three too often uh, when he could get a better shot? Does he go to the fadeaway too often when he could probably use a pump fake, draw contact and get to the free throw line? Absolutely. I don't really have a problem with the way he approaches basketball. I, I think people around him sometimes wish that he just had a little bit more of a obsessive personality so he could take the talent that he has and has worked to hone and get it to the next level because it's the only way you really do it become one of the great, great, greats is you cut out everything else you care about and it's living and breathing basketball. But at the same time, I I think he's a professional. I think he treats people the right way. I think he's about the right things. And uh, I understand why when they went into the bunker, the Lakers front office this past summer and discussed all the things they could do to shake up this team, the discussion of should we trade AD came up as they tried to look under every stone and pebble and rather quickly, they dismissed it. That's not the answer here. You already have one of the most talented big men ever to play the game. You hope for some health. You hope that he brings a little bit more motivation than he has in the past. And, you know, obviously third person always looks bad. Uh, but in that same quote, he was saying, I'm going to do whatever – the no. team asks no. of me to do to win and so you know listen all he knows is that when I am teamed up with a rim protecting seven footer for the regular season then I have enough energy to win a championship like that's what happened and that was the best team he played for in New Orleans too he had not necessarily a rim protector but he had another bruising big man and DeMarcus Cousins alongside him those are the two best teams he ever played for so it's I'm okay with him saying that he'd like to have some more minutes for Damian Jones, for Thomas Bryant, right? But, you know, ultimately, it's not like he's going to pout if that's the, the direction they go in. There's the time to bring it up. He brought up in the preseason. That's preseason is for trying different combinations, and you're going to see him play a lot of five this year. Uh, but, you know, rightfully so, he can do some pretty darn good things at the four, too, as we saw when the Lakers ranked number one in the league defensively and number three in the league defensively the two years when they had Marcus Saul and JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard next to him.
7: Yeah. So who will be happier when the Lakers trade Russell Westbrook for Miles Turner? Anthony Davis or LeBron?
9: <laughs> Such a loaded <laughs> question. You, know, you yeah. listen.
7: No, I, okay, I say that in jest. But, Dave, I think you were the one who reported it because you own the Lakers. Um, I, I, I'm really curious. How close was this Russ for... Uh, Buddy Healed, Miles Turner, Russ, and draft picks. How close was it? And and, and I think you had it as the Lakers were like, "Eh, I don't know if we want to do this." And they were the ones who said no. Is that is that? Did I get that right?
9: Yeah, I mean, I reported that uh, the Lakers' reticence to include both of the future draft picks is what caused those talks to break down. Uh, Indiana believed that the Lakers, and rightfully so, Indiana knows this. The Lakers spent months trying to put together a deal that would send Russ out of town and bring in some better fitting pieces. Indiana also knows that they have that 2027 20, first round pick and 2029 20, first round pick. And that's pretty much the only thing they have that is attractive as a trade chip. Uh, other than say Kendrick Nunn, who they need, uh, you know, they already traded away Talon Horton Tucker, who was a good salary number and a good age to get Patrick Beverly. So, Indiana was saying, we know what you need to do. You're going to have another tough year if you don't get rid of Russell Westbrook. Give us both your picks, and it's off your hands. But they just ultimately decided that, and this could be folly thinking. Uh, time will tell. But they ultimately decided that, as especially in this season, as more teams see what they have and recognize that their best course of action is to try to lose as many games as possible, <laughs> to try to get Victor Wenmanyama. Uh, they believe that they'll be able to get pieces that will fit their team, move on from us to Westbrook and also retain one of those two draft picks.
7: Interesting. Because the Lakers in 2029, what is that, six years? uh, Basically six drafts from now. LeBron will be, you know, not in the league. Anthony Davis will be like 35. So there's a chance the Lakers could be one of the worst teams in the league and now you've got a number one pick in 2029. That being said... I mean, if you remove Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, you got Halliburton, Duarte, Ben Matherin, who I really like. You know, that's like a 21-team. And, exactly. you know, they'll buy so, out Russell Westbrook, right?
9: Oh, I, I would think so, absolutely. But, that, I mean, that's there's the motivation, right, for Indiana then to come back to the table at some point and say, you know, yeah, we'll take that valuable traffic. We don't necessarily need both. Uh, but the Lakers... Think there'll be more than just Indiana that come to the table. You know, look, look at look, look at some of the teams that are out there that have been teetering on irrelevance over the last several years. Look at a team like Charlotte, you know, that's still dealing oh with gosh, yeah. uh, you know the fallout of uh, Miles Bridges not being a part of their their roster, a uh, player they relied on uh, over the last several years, and you know a guy like Gordon Hayward, certainly talented, somebody who could fit with the Lakers, but. You know, injury prone, and what's his yeah. true trade value? Like, there, there are iterations that could make sense. The question is, how far behind the eight ball are you putting yourself if the first month or so doesn't go so well with mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook as a part of things? Yeah. Um, then you're you know. desperate. Yeah. Yeah.
7: Um. So, what? Let me ask about the Spurs. I haven't heard as much mention of them in a while. Their starting lineup, Dave, as of now: Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, Jeremy Sohan, the rookie out of Baylor, Keldon Johnson, and Jakob Purtle. That's like a 17 win team. I know they have the lowest, or they had the lowest Vegas win total. Um, is there? Do the Spurs have anything the Lakers would want? Josh Primo is a is a solid young player, but he's not going to help the Lakers
9: yeah I mean, you know and Pearl and McDermott are the names that you heard in the summertime oh, um,
7: McDermott. jeez.
9: but you know if if that that deal, I'm still of the belief that had the Lakers wanted to make that deal, that probably deal would have already been done. so mm. I, I don't I don't know like, I I think this is a level of one people in the organization recognizing that those picks are truly valuable and there's no guarantee that when lebron retires that we just get another lebron as a free agent like we <laughs> we just we can't just live on laker exceptionalism as we did for so long cuz look at the you know basically the last 10 years of the franchise it's been yeah. r- really hard for the, for people in that organization to stomach to recognize that like yeah we have to like rethink how we go about this completely and so we can't just sail all out for LeBron right now and and be lost in the desert on the other side of that. Yeah. And so well, I, I don't think there's any scenario that gets them trade in both picks to be honest.
7: Interesting. Now um, Charlotte has Gordon Hayward. I don't know if Kelly Oubre would work. I mean, he's a, he's a good player, I think, but not with the Lakers. Um, Yeah. Rozier, Washington. N-
9: nice player. Yeah. Scary
7: Terry, yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right, we could wrap up with this, Dave. I'm just curious, yeah. and, and this is a tough one. I know the Lakers, I'm sure, will be listening. But how, how tough is it to cover a guy like LeBron James, um, arguably the uh, most famous athlete in America? Um, you know, he he is, I think he's the greatest player in the history of the league. But what's it like, like covering him on a day-to-day basis? He seems to always answer questions when the microphones are in front of him. Um, he seems like a pretty low key guy. I'm just curious what, what he's like behind the scenes.
9: Yeah. I mean, it's been, uh, a privilege of my career to be able to cover the teams he's been on because I've got to be in some rooms I never thought I'd be in. I got to cover, you know, some incredible games and, um, learn about the sport in a way that I never would have. Um, everything that goes into it, the business side, the marketing side, um, the, uh, machinations that uh, a player can have in order to get, uh, you know, his will uh, exerted over an organization. Uh, these are things that I never would have seen up close at an up and been covering a player like LeBron in his extended prime. Uh, but there's challenges to it. I, you know, LeBron speaks a certain language uh, and you have to kind of figure that out. Uh, and he will drop breadcrumbs. Uh, but it's not always so easy to follow up on those breadcrumbs and and get the full story out that um, he's kind of hinting you towards uh, because this is big business, man. (laughs) And uh, so uh, it's, um, you know, it's, it's always interesting. I will say that. And I I think whenever I'm finished covering LeBron on a day-to-day basis, I'm sure I will look back at it uh, years after that and, and have far more appreciation, but in the moment, it's just kind of pressure because <laughs> there's always yeah. something, um, yeah. and the, every outlet is interested in breaking parts of news about the team or business or family he's involved with or the agency he's rep- like. It's it's all. Uh, there's there's many tentacles to this thing, and, and you know, just tried my best to to stay on top of it and, and know what I'm talking about.
7: And, and I'm not asking to divulge anything, but like. I'm sure if something's going to go down or has gone down, people will reach out to you. Obviously, you're near the top of the totem pole. And, and, you know, as a reporter, it's tough to know when you're getting spun or when you're getting fed stuff for a reason. I mean, are, are you dealing with this kind of stuff on a weekly basis? Is this like a daily or monthly? Um, I, and and how do you handle that?
9: I mean, I, I try to talk to as many people as possible. And then certainly, I again, I, I do consider it a privilege to be able to cover LeBron's teams that he's been on the last you know decade or so but um i am covering those teams i'm not covering lebron james and and so you know sometimes in this business perception is reality i didn't ask to cover lebron james i didn't ask to cover him this long you know i wanted to get back to la after living in cleveland for four years so i asked i asked for that and i enjoyed my time in cleveland i, I wasn't meant to be a dig it's Just yeah. i i love living in la i lived in la for six years before i i um you know, covered Cleveland. I covered Kobe Bryant, you know, and back in the day, people said I was, uh, you know, a Kobe guy. I wasn't a Kobe guy either. You know, it's (laughs) you just cover the team and the assignment that's in front of you as well as you can. It's so, uh, you know, yeah, there are days when there are things that are being put in your ear or your inbox or put in your lap and there's a uh, desire to see that in the media in, in a certain way. Um, and sometimes it's, it's, there's nothing, there's no problem there. It's, there's no static. It, it goes from, because it's accurate information that you trust and you've heard it other places. But there's other times where there's a, a certain type of story that is being presented to you and you don't run with it. And guess what? You see another outlet has it. Yeah. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I, I got to live with myself at the end of the day. And so right. generally I, I trust my judgment on things, but. Yeah, you know, there are times when, um, you know, there's probably been times I've been quote unquote beaten on a story, um, but it wasn't, uh, I didn't have enough information at that point to put it out the way I thought it would be fair and accurate.
7: Well, you do a great job, man. Keep up the good work and, uh, you know, enjoy, have fun covering the team this year. I'm sure it'll be another uh, circus, maybe a good I'd- circus
9: though. Yeah, we'll see. I think better than last year. I'll at least right. can't that. get any worse, Dave. Come on. All right, uh, man. Dave, we'll, we'll, we'll meet anyway. on a basketball court sometime soon. I'm going to run Hopefully, yes, the indeed. Yes, yeah, sir. All right, buddy. Later. All right, see you, man. Yep, bye.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, The cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
2: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables.